This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Welcome, friends and warriors, to podcast number six. We are thrilled that you're joining us today. We've had the best time these last few weeks digging into the archives and pulling out some of our most talked about blogs. We've taken the Bellator Colloquium on the road and interviewed contributors and guest contributors. Fran and I have had the best time being together in the same city and interviewing our friends um, in their own homes and, and with each other. However, today we're excited to announce that we're going to start discussing blogs that are on our site this week. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm kind of sad we're not sitting together today. Those interviews, I know those interviews were so fun and they really felt like a colloquial. You know, they really felt like a conversation that we were chatting with people we know and love. And and so we're going to try to recreate this via Skype for the podcast (laughs) today. But we by no means are going to be abandoning all of the treasure that we have in the archives. We're still going to do those archive dives regularly and and hopefully pull them into some real-time content, which is what we're going to plan on doing today. Uh, Trey, you want to talk a little bit about what we had up on the blog this week? Absolutely. So we published some really good ones this week. We are in the week of August 16th and school is back in session for most of us. So we started with Shona Terrell's blog on busyness. And I don't know about you, Fran, but I know I can certainly relate to that because summer has been super busy for our family. And so uh, the school time just kind of ramps that up. But we've also published one of my blogs on Carline and Mercy. And a little side note on that, since it's my blog, um, Carline is not my favorite time of the day during school. (laughs) And I just think it's no coincidence that um, most schools get out around three o'clock, which happens to be the hour of mercy, because I personally need Jesus's mercy when I wait in the car line. (laughs) It's, it's, it's. And I do, I actually say a divine mercy chaplet during most days during Carline, because um, I'm, I'm trapped. I'm trapped in the car. <laughs> yeah. And in Arizona, it's a hundred and something degrees, yeah. you know, at the beginning of the school year. So getting out, I mean, hats off to the moms who get out and walk up and get their kids, but I, it's, it's not for me. So I, I just put myself through purgatory <laughs> every yeah. day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the final two blogs this week come to us from Aaron Polmeyer on the subject of adoration, which is actually what we're going to dive into today. Um, and Erin is a, a, a mom to six children. Her husband's a deacon. He's also a principal of a Catholic school in Arkansas, and she's a good friend of both of ours. Um, and so she just gives us, she gives us actually a two-part series on adoration. And so that's what we wanted to talk about today. Excellent. Yes. And I want to say one thing. I think that Jason Polmeyer, her husband, is in diaconate formation. I don't That's think right. that he's been um, right. ordained a deacon yet. However, I will say this. Um, he has offered to come on the podcast and write for us on um, Bellator Society blog. Oh, so it'll be yeah. fun to hear from him, too. Um, so we get both Polmeyers or, or both of those Polmeyers. There are a lot of Polmeyers out there. There's even a father <laughs> Polmeyer who we might be able to rope in to come in and talk 
talking to us about something. Um, I've done some spiritual direction with him before, and he's just fantastic. So I'm sure anything that's coming out of the Polmeyer family is uh, primo. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about a uh, Eucharistic adoration today. And before we jump into Erin's perspective on it and her experience with Eucharistic adoration, I thought that we might just, for our listening audience, for anybody who may not have experience with uh, Eucharistic adoration, um, or anyone who's not Catholic, might just be like, well, this isn't the podcast for me because I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so just giving a little primer on what uh, Eucharistic adoration is. Uh, this is from our U.S. bishops. They say that Eucharistic adoration is an extension of the adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, which occurs in every Mass, when the priest says, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. And this exposition, so when we expose the blessed sacrament or the bread and wine, which turns into the body and blood, you know, substantively, there is a change happening there. We call it transubstantiation. And so what we see in appearance as bread and wine is no longer actually bread and wine after consecration. We believe that it is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so we treat it differently. And we right. would treat bread and wine. <laughs> yeah. And so this exposition of the Blessed Sacrament flows from the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. As we said, the consecration happens during the Mass. And the exposition or the, the, the exposing of the, the consecrated um, host— um, which is our Savior, Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity, serves to deepen for us as we adore it um, a hunger for Jesus in a way, mm-hmm. um, and and really our, our, a hunger to be in communion with the rest of the church as well in the presence of our Lord. And um, it's just really a beautiful thing. And our our, our, the, our bishops say something, well, they said that you know it, it serves to deepen our hunger, but it made me immediately think about, I have a glass dome that I, that sits on our uh, countertop, you know, and whenever we have like a baked treat or whatever, whenever there's something left in reserve, we put it in the <laughs> glass dome and it just sits on the counter, on the counter. And I see kids walking in and they just kind of stop and look at the glass dome filled with <laughs> cookies or cupcakes and it serves to engender in them a hunger for yes. what is <laughs> what is being exposed you know but yet in reserve and i think it's kind of the same thing i mean that's that's an analogy that will fall short because by no means is a cupcake the lord yeah Savior but that's Jesus a good Christ. yeah good point i mean that's definitely a good um a good example or a good um way to tie it in. And I just, I'm, I'm, you know, you know me, I'm going off topic. (laughs) Nothing makes my stomach growl more than the silence of adoration. I don't know what it is. My stomach doesn't growl unless it's silent and I'm at adoration. I am telling you, and it's so embarrassing (laughs) because generally people are in silent adoration. They're, they're on their knees. They're sitting in the pews, you know, maybe saying a rosary or praying or reading or just being quiet, you know, and just kind of listening to you know, the Holy spirit, my stomach will growl and it will <laughs> loudly. It doesn't matter if I go at 10 in the morning at one in the afternoon. It's like, really? And I sit there sometimes and go, Jesus, come on, come on, make it stop. <laughs> you know, there's something about adoration that lets you know that Jesus does have a sense of humor, oh, you oh. know, like there little things like that come up um, and not, and obviously not just adoration, but it reminds me one time Matt was, I don't know if he was in adoration or he was um, at an early morning mass, like a daily mass. And he was sitting next to um, a woman who was, you know, a, a, an acquaintance by no means like a close personal friend, but was sitting near her on the pew. And he said his stomach, and I think he may have been coming off a night shift. So he hit, was hungry and 
was just like, you know, so his, and his stomach just roared and she leaned over and she patted him on the stomach. No. <laughs> oh did. my heavens. That's awesome. <laughs> I always love that. And I'm always tempted when I hear someone's stomach rumbling to Don't just, want to do it. Let's give a little pat. Like I heard you. I know you're hungry. <laughs> go, go, go get something to eat after this, sweetie. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I love it. So. I love it. I love it too. So back to adoration, we have a couple of different kinds of adoration that we do in the Catholic church. Um, we have the rite of Eucharistic exposition and benediction, which is a rite in and of itself. Like it's a liturgical rite. Um, and then we have holy hours that are often associated with perpetual adoration and perpetual adoration, um, is a specific type of adoration that happens in an adoration chapel um, with the Blessed Sacrament, um, either exposed in a monstrance or ciborium um, for uh, for worship, and you have to have special permission for that um, expository adoration. But we also have adoration in a tabernacle. So you might have a chapel or even in the, the larger sanctuary of a church where Jesus is um, reserved in the tabernacle, and you know that he's there because of his porch light. We always <laughs> tell our kids, like, whatever. Whenever you go into a church, a Catholic church, look for Jesus's light. You look for the, it's usually a little red candle, but, um, and sometimes it's not a red candle in the, in the United States, it usually is, but I've been to European churches where the candle is not red and you actually have to look <laughs> a little bit harder for it. Um, but that light, um, in the, in the sanctuary or in the chapel tells you that Jesus is in reserve. He is in the tabernacle ready to, to hear you, um, as always, whether you are in your bedroom, your car, he's always ready to hear you, but in a very special way when he's in reserve in the tabernacle or um, exposed in the monstrance. Um, he is there in a very direct and beautiful way um, that we can see him, you right. know, be, be a little bit closer to him in that physical way, you know. Right. We always have direct access to our Lord. <laughs> this is Absolutely. not a place of that, but this is, this is again, making use of those senses that we as Catholics um, are, are so privy to, and we can see him, you know, and, and that deepens, I think, our prayer in, in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you want to, do you want me to jump into to Aaron's blog, her first blog? Yeah, yeah let's so do she. It. She, um, like I said, she is a mama of six children. And so she, she gives us some of her tips and suggestions on taking children to adoration, which I think takes adoration to a whole new level <laughs> because adoration, if you've never been, it's, it's a quiet, you're usually in a quiet chapel with our Lord exposed, like Fran was saying on an altar, there's usually some pews, maybe some kneelers and people are sometimes on the ground on their knees or they're prostrated maybe sometimes in front of Jesus or they're, mm -hmm. they're sitting in the pews quietly. So when you walk into that with, with a gaggle of, of children, you're a superstar. First of all, I'm just going to say that because, um, it's hard to try and keep little ones quiet, obviously. Um, like my stomach growling, that's my cross, but <laughs> keeping kids, keeping other little people quiet is, is takes it to a new level. But she says she doesn't really remember the first time she went to adoration. She said, it's always just been a place I go to feel closest to our Lord. I love the silence and the opportunity to sit before the Lord gaze upon each other and just let him love me. It's my place to go when I need a spiritual recharge. And then she says her family, um, committed to a holy hour not too long ago and, um, or a couple years ago. And so because she's got children, 
who are young, she takes them with her. And she said, if you ever feel the gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit to start a family holy hour, here are some of my tips. And she kind of lists that out. She says timing. You know, you have to know what's best for your family schedule. Like if you have children, probably nap time is not the best time to take them to holy hour, you know, or just things like that. Kind of practical advice. She said, be patient because your kids are not going to just go in and be quiet for an hour Mm-hmm. immediately, you know, know, know that this is going to be a little bit of a work in progress, come prepared. Um, and she talks about that in her follow-up blog. She's got a little, um, bag of tricks that she brings to adoration to keep her children sort of focused on the task at hand. Like, what are we here for? And then trust, just trust that if God has put that on your heart and put, put it on your heart to, to commit to this hour and to come and be with him, like you said, physically, then, it's going to work out. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that she said that most people, if you don't know, if you have a holy hour, you're usually partnered up with somebody. So maybe if you can't make it one week, um, there's always someone with Jesus. Like we never want Jesus to be left alone. And that's, that's kind of a biggie for, for us, um, Catholics. And so she said that there's a lady who she's partnered with who loves, to see her children and less to doesn't mind, you know, the babbling of, of kids or sort of the redirection that she, um, that she oftentimes has to, to do for her children to keep them, um, kind of in that, that respectful behavior. Which is a gift because it's not always the case because I mean, Eucharistic adoration is a special kind of devotion. It is a special place. It is a special space. It is a special time. There is an expectation of reverence and with that reverence is often attached silence. In fact, oftentimes when you go into a Eucharistic adoration chapel, there'll be like a placard that says, please keep silence, (laughs) you know, as you are, as you're, you know, adoring the Lord. And that's a sweet little sign. It's kind of impossible <laughs> when you're bringing children there. So what do you do with that? Right. right. Um, we do, I mean, there, there are, you know, very specific, um, qual- uh, qualifications or I guess qualifications in the word, like rules associated with having a perpetual, um, adoration chapel where the blessed sacrament is exposed. For instance, um, you have to have sufficient people present, just as you said, like that's actually a requirement. You have to be able to, I think it's too, I mean, obviously if there's just one person there, it's fine. Um, they're not going to shut down the operation, but I think the recommendation is two people need to be, um, adoring the Lord at all times. So that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What is that? Like 168 hours a week. Like that's a lot of hours that you have Mm -hmm. people, um, needing to be in front of our Lord. Um, and that's an operation in and of itself. And again, you never leave Jesus unattended. Um, and that you would have a a proper decorum there. Um, And with those things in mind, I I do think just as um, Erin titled her her blog, Let the Children Come to Me, um, when you bring children, all of those rules of silence and reverence, you know, uh, you have to like adjust or Mm -hmm. acclimate to the people who were there, um, which brings us into our second blog, um, that we wanted to talk about. And this is an archive dive. This is one that was written by Brie Head, who is my sister. And, um, she talked about a time where, um, it wasn't so happy in that she brought her two of her (laughs) children 
with her to adoration, um, for a, a monthly adoration. So this wasn't like a regular thing. And I think that's the difference here too, is that, you know, Aaron had a regular thing going with this woman who understood that I am signing up for this hour once a week with this family who will be bringing their children. Um, right. and then my sister's parish has adoration, I believe once a month. And during that once a month duration, um, you sign up for an hour or a half an hour, I believe it was. And, yeah. uh, and she was like, I can do anything for 30 minutes. I am signing <laughs> up. You know, if they, if they have a need, I can do this. And so, uh, she tells the story of uh, walking into, um, the, the chapel to find three other women sitting there for that same, uh, you know, time allotment. And she said that her initially she was like, Oh my gosh, I should just leave. Cause I'm bringing my kids and you know, I should, Jesus is already being adored. Obviously I'm not needed, but she said, you know, I signed up. I am going to, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to risk that these women are just here temporarily or voluntarily. Like they didn't sign up. So I don't want to leave him alone. I'm going to stay. And she said, and let just interrupt you real quick. I'm sorry. No, because that's a good point because, you know, a lot of, we do sign up, but then people can stop in and see Jesus anytime. So when, when the doors are open, as yeah. long as someone is there in their hour or in their 30 minute time slot, oh goodness gracious, lots of people can kind of come and go. So Bree didn't really know, are these women here committed for 30 minutes or are they here just to say hi to Jesus? Because we do that all the time. Absolutely. We do that yeah. too. We, we try to do that. Um, obviously if we know that there are a lot of like security, um, things that are in place sometimes for some chapels mm -hmm. where you have to know a code to get in, yeah. but a lot of churches don't have that. And so you really can just like walk on in. And whenever that is an opportunity, we do try to just like walk in and say, Hey Jesus. And it's, and it's yeah. a, especially a sweet thing when you have children to do that. But, um, so Brie tells the story of, again, going in, seeing that their women are already there, deciding to stay. And she said she was actually, you know, things were going kind of well, things were rolling <laughs> and, you know, they weren't as loud as they could have been. And, you know, th that her, her, you know, almost four-year-old had, you know, sat with her and said a Hail Mary and was being quiet, you know, e even more quiet than is probably her mass behavior norm. <laughs> um, and, you know, the baby wasn't screaming. And so things were going really well. And then a woman in the, in the chapel says, and I quote, ma'am, this is very distracting. This is a time of quiet reflection and not a place for children. Oh, I cannot believe that. I don't, I can't believe that. No, I mean, that's just because that's distracting. Like you just stopped yeah. this mother's prayer to complain to her. I mean, yeah. I've never heard of that, but obviously that ha happens. I have never heard of it in adoration before. I mean, I'm always very nervous when I bring small children, especially if if it if it's not a, a designated time for children. Like for instance, we had um, adoration, and we would say a Divine Mercy Chaplet and um, some other prayers uh, after school every Friday. So after school every Friday, all the kids from our Catholic school we were not, our kids weren't in school at the time, but we would show up for that three o'clock hour because it was a time where just the the I mean seriously the chapel. Was was filled to the brim with children on their mm -hmm. knees before the blessed sacrament. And it was just like normal. That was what normally happened. It's what you expected. But when that's not the norm, I am a little self, you know, self-conscious yeah. of whether or not we're making a scene or moving around too much or making the pew squeak too much or, you know, <laughs> all of those things. And I'm sure Brie was experienced already, already yeah. hot, you You're know, on already, hyper. Yeah. Hyper alert. 
And then to have, and then to have this woman, you know, call that out is, I mean, mortifying. It really is. And so Brie was like, you know, my, I got hot, my eye, my heart was racing. You know, it was, I was trying to like gather up all my things so we could quickly leave. And, and she was like, you know what? No, you know, uh, this is, this isn't how it should be. And, um, and she was like, I'm never doing this again. And then in reflection, she was like, that was not the right response. My, my, the response is never again, because, you know, it, it was humiliating. But even in that moment, and I think this is the most beautiful part of, of her blog, that, that she said, you know, our blessed Lord, the, the king of the universe was subject to unspeakable humiliation. And right. in his presence, I experienced that as well. Um, and that he was just inviting me in that moment into his suffering. And, right. um, and then was so quickly reminded of uh, just as Aaron titled her blog, let the children come Bree was, re- you know, was reminded that, yeah, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually she said she was in her mind. She was screaming, let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. <laughs> and I can imagine that kind of internal dialogue she was having with herself, like wanting to, and God bless her for not, you know, pushing back and being respectful yeah. when someone was being so kind of disrespectful to her. Um, and having that more internal dialogue versus external dialogue. Um, cause nobody wants an argument in adoration, but I was telling you like, Children kind of distract me in adoration too, but I think it's because they're so dang cute. Like I love babies and I want to look at them and kind of like at mass. We have the uh, cry room at our parish in, in Arizona is sort of like up towards the front, which is amazing because that's really where the children should be. Right. I mean, it shouldn't be in the way, way back. Like it is in most churches, which it's better than, it's better than not having a place for, for families who've got you know, maybe loud toddlers or, or, or upset babies, but, um, I look at them and my kids do. So I really have to focus when there are children, like, okay, it's Jesus. It's not the cute little toe headed kiddo over there. That's, um, making faces. <laughs> but at some point you do realize that that's my problem. You know, yeah. like I know that it's oh, my yeah. problem when I'm making a cutesy face at a baby and uh, you know, not, 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 and I, quite frankly, I don't even know that being distracted by a baby is inappropriate because I mean, that uh, that's part of being a human being. Like we have, (laughs) you know, we have attention to children because children deserve attention. And don't you think the Lord delights in, um, a happy babbly baby? Yeah. Especially in his present. Yes, I do. I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing. No. And, and it's, again, you know, it, it harkens back to, we want children, we want young people in church, whether that's in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel or whether that is in mass in the sanctuary, like we, we want young people there. And if we, if we have this standard that this is only for people who can, you know, uh, recognize the decorum and behave appropriately, then, you know, we've excluded a whole swath of children, obviously, and maybe even adults, (laughs) because I don't know that my mass behavior is always up to par. I mean, you know, I, I get distracted and I get, you know, a little, a little restless sometimes. And I still think Jesus wants me there. Absolutely. And didn't we, when we both lived in Little Rock, I remember we were, um, we both belonged to a, a women's kind of prayer group. Yeah. And somebody said one time that she had read where the Lord gives you little graces. Mm -hmm. So when, when you're a mom and you are 
lamenting that you haven't heard the homily in six months or a year <laughs> that, that what you're doing as a mom is kind of a grace. It's replacing maybe some of that attention that you lost at mass. Like the, and Aaron says the Lord will never out be outdone in his generosity. Mm-hmm. And so that's to me what, what a, a distracting cute baby is for, for the mom or even for the people around. Um, there's little graces that I think that Jesus just rains down on us. So don't, it doesn't have to be a perfect experience every single time, you right. know, in, in your rubric of what is perfect. Um, yeah. because as we said in our podcast with Sarah Beth, um, if you're not crying, you're dying. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. We want a church of young people. We want a church of babies. That's who we are. And, um, and mass is also kind of a training ground for mm-hmm. adults. I mean, it's where we train our children to, to love Jesus and to worship Jesus and to have a heart for Jesus. And training takes a little bit of time. And, and Aaron says, you know, be patient. This is not going to go well yeah. immediately. Do not expect perfect behavior really ever, but especially in the beginning. And she said, you know, I have stepped out of, um, she said, I think I spent at least the first year outside the actual adoration chapel <laughs> holding the screaming child, but eventually they learned, don't worry. There was someone else in the chapel. So Jesus was never alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she said, and I love that she said, we're very blessed to share our hour with a woman who loves children and doesn't mind our family chaos. And she marked that out and put prayers mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because what looks like chaos from the outside is, is maybe your family prayer with, yeah. with little ones. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, it's the prayer of your work, if nothing else, for sure. I think that, um, you said something that made me think also that j- just as not every Eucharistic adoration hour or experience is going to be like that perfect, sublime, silent, you know, complete devotional opportunity. Um, I think that it's, it's a very, um, it's very much a part of the adoration experience that every, every encounter with our Lord will be a little bit different. Like every Mm -hmm. time you go to the adoration chapel for your holy hour or whatever, it, it, by virtue of it being a relationship with a real person, Jesus Christ is a real person. And this real person is really and truly present in the blessed sacrament. Your experience from time to time is going to be different. Like every time I talk to you on the phone, it's not all like, you know, a podcast conversation, you know, sometimes there, <laughs> sometimes there are lulls. Sometimes we go down, you know, rabbit holes of conversation and we get distracted from what we had meant to be talking about, or it's a sad conversation or, you know, it, there, there, are, there are characteristics of that encounter that are particular to that encounter, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be okay with that too. You know, we become so, um, uh, married to our rituals that we think that if we didn't do it perfectly this time, then it wasn't worthy. Um, and, and we do have rites and rituals for a reason, but, uh, the blessed sacrament and exposition and, and Eucharistic adoration, especially in the context of a holy hour, um, becomes basically what Jesus wants it to be. You know, it's mm-hmm. spending, it, it's, it's giving that hour to him and being okay with whatever comes of it. Um, I love what you said about it's what Jesus wants it to be because, um, I like to control things a little bit. <laughs> and I was in a prayer group here during Lent and we were talking about adoration. And one of the ladies was saying, you know, it's okay just to be quiet. You know, you don't yeah. always have to have something to say. And I'm like, 
and, and most of the women, they were like, yeah, I mean, sometimes there's just nothing to say. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I go in with like a laundry list of requests and I do try and do give my Thanksgivings and my, you know, I'm sorry's, but then it's like, you know, here, here's my, <laughs> here's my want, here's my ask. <laughs> and, and I just chit, chat, chit, chat, chit, chat, chit, chat. And, um, I actually have to work more on just being quiet and trying to hear yeah. like, what do you want of me today? And what, what do you want to tell me? Like, I need to be quiet so I can hear, you know, it's yeah. that old phrase. If you're always doing the talking, you can't hear what is being said to you. And so that is like a focus of mine to like shut my trap. Do you, that is, do you oh. chit chat or do you, are you good about being quiet and just like being contemplative? That is hard. I mean, contemplative prayer is, um, it, it's such a goal. <laughs> it's such <laughs> something that, you know, I strive for and have had little glimpses of, but it's hard for me. Um, just sitting in the, in the quiet without my mind going somewhere is hard, but I will say that I've had very good instruction, um, for Eucharistic adoration specifically, um, and trying to achieve the, the sort of silence that allows silence of mind that allows, um, Jesus to speak to you. And it came from one of the women from that same prayer group that you were talking about. Um, we had, we were all kind of, I forget where, what we were, what the topic was, but we got to the point of like, have you ever just sat in adoration and started thinking about your grocery list uh, for or sure. what's, yeah. Like what's going to happen. Like there are things that just pop into your head, mm-hmm. um, from, from just the mundane to even distractions that might be less holy. Um, and, and what do you do with that? Right. Because you're not, you're not, intentionally putting those thoughts in your head, but they're coming. Um, are they coming from you? Are they coming from someone who is actually trying to distract you from our blessed Lord? Because that happens. So what do you do with that? Like what, what's the battle plan? And she, her advice was just spot on and I have followed it and it is true and it is good and it works. And she said, keep a journal with you in adoration. And some people are really good about journaling anyway and bring it regardless. I am I, not a natural journaling person. So to bring a journal into adoration is something that I have learned to do. But she, she her advice was use this journal and only write in it when you get off track. Like when, when you find your, your, your thoughts wandering and then write what that thought was. And then you will see over time a pattern of distraction. Like these are the things that distract me. And then all you have to do is take care of those things before, prepare before you go to adoration. These are the things that I know are going to come into my head during adoration. And it's, I mean, like, I cannot tell you how true it was, at least for me, that when I started to keep that log of, okay, Mm -hmm. my, my mind wandered, it was always about like planning things in my daily yeah. life. To do like list. The, yeah. Those are the things <laughs> that were, that, that made me the Martha anxious. Right. Yeah. And, and, and prohibited me from sitting at the feet of my Lord. And so if I could take care of those things that I knew were going to be distractions, come. they were going to come because I had logged them. <laughs> and I, I had several holy hours worth of logging to say, these are the things that, that bring my mind away from prayer. And I'm just going to think about it ahead of time. It, it worked. It just That's awesome. It was awesome. I have to try that. It was sometimes it was I feel like when I'm in adoration and I, and those thoughts are popping into my head, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for just giving me this silence to actually be able to think about yeah. what I need to do as a mom or what I need to do for my family right now. Um, but yeah, maybe writing it down and actually doing that beforehand yeah. <laughs> would help me be a little bit more present with Jesus and, and thinking about things that are maybe higher of higher importance than what's for dinner. <laughs> right. But you <laughs> know, I, I mean, the way of perfection in, in, in all of our spiritual life is, is a process. And, you know, there might be some days where that's okay too. 
you know, that, that we, that, that, that is that just being with our Lord is enough for that day because we, we, it's a sacrifice of an hour. It's a sacrifice of 15 minutes. It's any time you give to Jesus and especially in his presence, um, is a participation in, in his sacrifice. And there's always going to be good that comes from that. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you take your children to adoration, right? Is that what, or you've taken your children? Oh yes, absolutely. Yes. So my kids, I, I did not have my children when they were little itty bitties. And so they've always been in school. So anytime I've ever been in adoration is usually, I usually go during the week when they're in school, but nothing makes me happier to see, um, the school kids come in and quietly come in and kneel in front. And, um, so while I've never actually had the experience of trying to wrangle my own children, um, during adoration, I do nothing, nothing is sweeter than seeing a a bunch of uh, little school kids with their uniforms on and quietly, you know, and they, you can tell they love it. Yeah. Maybe they're out of class. And so that's kind of fun. (laughs) I mean, I used to love to go to confession during school because I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to hang out at the convent and I'm going to say like, 80 Hail Marys instead of three. (laughs) So I don't, you know, sometimes you don't really know their intention, but I love the training. I love teaching kids. And my kids will say, I really like to go to adoration. Can we go to adoration? Or, um, you know, during Lent, they knew that I was going, you know, more than normal, um, because that was just something that I really purposed to do. And so they would say, can we go on Saturday or, you know, outside of my normal schedule? So I think that the more they go, it is peaceful and it is a time where you can just take a deep breath and nobody's asking you for things and you're not checking your phone and things like that. And so I've loved that when you train your children to be quiet and to be silent and to just speak or listen or whatever, whatever the case may be that how much, um, how much they get out of it and how much they realize how precious and how personal that time is. And then they crave it. Yes. Oh, I was exactly going to say that. It does just as um, our bishops say, say, it creates that hunger in that experience. You know, again, not all of our faith is based on experience and feelings and all of those things, but there is something very particular to being in the presence of our Lord and and praying before the Blessed Sacrament that is experiential. Um, And even if you don't feel like, oh, like I am being washed with grace, just the quiet, just the Mm -hmm. taking the time out, just that, that pause in the day is something that we, especially with all our busyness. And I love that again, the, the, the thought of adoration comes at the same week as, you know, Shona Terrell's piece on flitting with purpose. Like we're, we're constantly busy, but when you do take that pause, it's special and you want more pauses like that. Um, and it becomes your like your, your favorite time of the week when yeah. you do it regularly. <laughs> And I'll say this, that, uh, there's a certain uh, beauty in, I mean, it's Jesus's hour. He's going to do with it what he wants to do. Yes. However, there's something, um, very particular about like owning that hour and, 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 and having a personal relationship with Jesus apart from like, um, it's, it's not, it's not, a, it's an extension of the mass, but it is outside of, of mass, you know, in, in a temporal way, um, that when you're a child, you get to kind of decide what you want to say, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not just a child, but even like a spiritual child, you know, uh, I no longer are at this time. I'm not participating in a, in a liturgical rite. And so I get to make my own 
um, sort of sort of ritual happening. And I got I got to see this so beautifully. This is kind of where, where I'm going with this. So at our parish here in Tennessee, we used to have perpetual adoration at our parish in Little Rock, Arkansas, and we no longer have that here in Nashville, Tennessee, which is something that I am really upset about and I would like <laughs> to fix. <laughs> I'm on a mission to 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 reestablish perpetual adoration in Nashville, Tennessee. But um, we do have various parishes where you can go to adoration basically during the day, anytime you want at, at a parish, you just kind of have to drive around a bit, but our parish has it uh, once a month um, for 24 hours and you sign up for one of those hours. And we had not signed up for one of the hours, but wanted to go. And so we just, my husband and I showed up uh, one evening. I think we'd gone on a date and then had decided we were going to go do an adoration hour. So we went and as we were walking in, it was like nine o'clock at night, uh, a family was gathering and it wasn't just like you know, a, t- a family of a mom and a dad and a couple of kids. This was like grandparents, aunts and uncles, oh, cousins, awesome. like this huge family coming. And as we were signing the guest book to, to go in, um, one of the men stopped us and he said, uh, is it okay with you if we pray aloud during this, this holy hour, we signed up for our family. We're like, oh my goodness, absolutely. He was like, okay, well, we're going to pray a little bit in Spanish and a little bit of English. And we've got sort of, you know, some prayers set. They had the most beautiful family liturgy. Oh, I mean, that's that's, the, that's that's the best way I can describe it. They had an order for prayers. They had kneeling and sitting and silence and talking and praying and singing. And I mean, wow. it was gorgeous. And I just, I came out of that holy hour thinking, oh my heavens, I want a family liturgy like that where we can, you know, just, just pour our hearts out before the Lord in his presence. Um, and this is, this is our, you know, this is our family liturgy and it would, it, it, it sparked in me a hunger for something like that for my family. So um, have you, have you no, done anything like that? No, we haven't <laughs> done it yet. It was, it was somewhat recent in, in recent oh, really? months, this has happened. Um, but you know, it just, it, it, it does make me think though, that we need to, we need, we need to have something more regular for our family. I mean, we have our family liturgy of sorts in our domestic church. Like every night we say the exact same prayers, um, you know, in succession, we have, you know, a time for, you know, intentions and things like that. We don't sing very much. <laughs> I think we should start I'm singing. You've got such a good voice. <laughs> I think we should start singing more, but, but um, but we even have like car liturgy. Like the first time we're in the car in the morning, we have our set prayers that we say the first time we get in a car in the day. Um, it used to be our morning prayers, but I have found that with people, especially, you know, in summer times, people getting up at different times, like the best time to get everybody in one place to start a morning prayer is in the car if we're going to go do something. Um, and then, you know, we have our, we have, you know, say our, our blessings before our meals and things like that. So we do have a family liturgy, but I just loved the idea of them having this holy hour that they designed, you know, our church has holy hours that, that we have for vocations or for particular, for, for priests. We have, um, ritualized holy hours that are, you know, uh, uh, that are something that we can all have access to, but to have one just for your family, I think is really personal. special. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I love about that, Fran? I love that, um, John and I always say that the the daily miracles that we have, if we are a little bit more kind of open, just sort of open your eyes to the little miracles all around you every day. Um, and they're not, we don't believe they're coincidences and we don't believe there's any way that some of these things that happen to us are anything short of a little miracle or some people call them a God wink. You know, sometimes you hear that. And I think that just the prompting of the Holy Spirit on your date with Matt 
and you going to holy hour and then being witness to such a beautiful, um, experience of this family that you didn't know, you didn't yeah. know to be there. You, that was not your intention when you went, you thought it'd be a quiet I personal <laughs> hour, but the Lord just gave you this, this God wink and yeah. you got to see this. And do you, does, does that happen to you often? Cause I feel like the more I go to holy hour uh-huh. and the more I go to adoration, um, I'm a little bit more, I, I feel like they happen more. Like you yeah. see things that you're like, Oh, that's awesome. I would have never seen this or known this or heard this otherwise, or, or been privy to this. Um, and we had, there was one time that I was at adoration and, um, I had just gotten a text message from a a college girlfriend and her cousin had passed away and it was sort of sudden. And she was a single gal, but she loved her, um, she loved her garden and she loved her yard and she had butterflies everywhere. And cause she had like a butterfly garden. And, um, and my friend just said, you know, but please keep our family in your prayers. You know, the one thing she said was when you see a butterfly, just think of me. And, um, I'm like, Oh, absolutely. I will keep you in my prayers. I'm going to Holy R right now. I will, I will be praying for you and your family and your cousin and her soul and blah, blah, blah. So I'm in Holy Hour and it's, it's, um, my stomach could probably growled a few times and embarrass me. <laughs> and, and normally at this parish, it is a big parish and there's always people there during, during the school day, there's always a priest, a teacher to kids, you know, older people, a mom with a baby. Um, so very rarely have I ever been in there by myself, like maybe never actually. Mm-hmm. And for some reason I just happened to be there. And even a lady did tap to make sure I wasn't going to leave. Like, are yeah. you, are you here for the hour? And I said, yes, ma'am. And so she left and I just kind of, for the first time looked around and, you know, in Catholic churches, we have a lot of stained glass and usually our stained glass is like, grapes, fish, lambs, Jesus, <laughs> the saints. And as I'm looking around, there are butterflies all <gasps> in the same glass. It was oh. the coolest thing. And I just was in tears like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You know, it's not something, have you ever seen a, a plethora of butterflies? I mean, it was more like every single uh, panel had a couple butterflies in it interspersed. Yeah. And right, while she it, was, yeah. It's a Christological motif, the butterfly, you know, yeah. that, that you, that you, the, 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 the chrysalis is the tomb and the butterfly is the resurrection. So I love that. You know, and so it was something that I never even noticed before. And I was able to go and tell, you know, my friend immediately, I cannot, I was like, <laughs> antsy to kind of get out just to be able to share that. Um, but again, had I not been there, had I not been, yeah. um, kind of open to just God winks and, and little mercies and little miracles. I would have never noticed. I never noticed those butterflies before. Yeah. Um, and so it, I think every time something like that happens, it just strengthens our, my faith. I yes. know it makes me more hungry for, yeah. for those experiences because it just, it reaffirms what I know, but it reaffirms and gives me kind of that confidence in that, um, just that closer relationship to, to Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to every experience of our Lord in adoration is going to be a little bit different. It's you're, yeah. you're going to, you're going to receive something from him. You're going to be um, reminded of something. You're going to be told something. You're going to be reflective about something. You're going to experience something a little bit different because it is that, that constant conversation. And there's a story of, uh, um, Archbishop, uh, Fulton Sheen or blessed Fulton Sheen, or is he, is he beatified yet? I think he's all it, blessed. Is he blessed? Fulton he's Sheen? Blessed. Okay. Well, he's, I know that he, his remains were moved. Right. And so now he's like on the path to canonization. That's like right. Almost there. So I just want to say St. 
Fulton Sheen. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a story about him and uh, he was in Paris and he said that he had a, I think it was like a a two hour layover or something between trains to get someplace. And he decided to go make a holy hour during that layover at a nearby church because in Paris, there's a Catholic church on every single corner. And right. so he he walked over or took a car over to uh, a church and was sitting there. And he said, he does not nap. Like he's he was not a napper. But he said this particular day, he was so tired that as he sat, he didn't even kneel. He sat in the pew um, and just fell asleep. And he's like, it was so unusual. And he said, when he woke up, he he you know said, said you know, in his heart to the Lord, did I even even make a holy hour. Like, was this even like <laughs> worth <this> it? <laughs> and he heard the Lord say to him, yes, that's the way the apostles made their first one. Because, <gasps> oh, you know, love it. In, in the garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, you know, just stay an hour with me, they went and they fell asleep. But, <laughs> but like, even that hour is an effort. You know, it's mm-hmm. an effort. It's not always going to be perfect and beautiful and pious and devotional. Sometimes it's sleep. And another thing that made me think of it was, um, I have a felt I have fallen asleep during adoration before. I will I will admit to that I have. Um, mostly because my my um, regular holy hours were at ten o'clock um, p.m. on a Tuesday night, and whew, sometimes that's a that's yeah. a late hour for me. Sometimes, although my dad and and my parents uh, throughout my entire childhood, um, whenever there was a perpetual adoration chapel, they took like uh, one or two a.m. hours. I could that's never. hard to fill. Oh, that's my, hard to yes. feel. So that that's a huge sacrifice. It is. That's always like the gap. That's the window. Yeah. It's like we need, you know, people yeah. to sign up for this time. I, I I mean, I won't say I could never do that because the Lord might actually ask me to do that, and I would have to say yes. But t- 10 p.m. even was hard for me, and I would occasionally fall asleep. And we would make a joke about it. And somebody said, and I don't know if this is from Saint Therese of Lisieux, or it, it's one of those simple, beautiful saints that say the right thing about you know, just imagine how a sleeping child looks at the end of the day, you know, that's how you look to Jesus when you're sleeping in his presence. It's like, you know, just, it's just sweetness. You're sleeping in the presence of our Lord. And that's what, that's what you needed or he needed for you for that hour. And don't be, don't feel guilty about it. Don't stress about it. You know, you're, you're giving him time. Adoration should not be stressful. (laughs) No. Oh, heavens. No. Oh goodness. Well, Um, and go, I was just going to say, so Erin, her, her follow is a list of things that she does and how she prepares um, for her holy hour because, you know, when you know, when you're prepared, you can sometimes offset tantrums or noisiness. And so she just has, check out the blog. She literally has a list of really good resources, a children's Bible, a magnetic play set, um, a matching game. Think memory with saints. Like how, how amazing is that? You know? And she says, and we say a litany, you know, of the saints during, during that matching game. And I'm like, okay, rock star. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Yeah. Thank you. This is an awesome list. So definitely check this out on the blog. Yeah. So you want to do our last little bits? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. My last little bit really is just going to be, I'm, I don't want to vent, but I think it's a funny story and Fran has heard it. <laughs> we have been in Arkansas, as you know, taking the show on the road. And, um, we, our daughter was at camp for two weeks, which is, was amazing. And my husband and I thought, well, let's just go. We have a little lake cabin. Let's just go and relax. And, um, We'll, we'll take two weeks. John can do a little work from there. 
yada, yada, yada. We get there. We have not been there in a year because life takes hold. There's busyness, the whole, the whole nine yards. We walk in and squirrels had taken up residence in our lake house. Squirrels had chewed through the siding, through the ceiling, through the air conditioning, through the insulation, through my dining room chair. They had just destroyed the place. And I think, so we spent the next two weeks appointments replacing the HVAC, the ceiling, the siding, the, you know, the insulation, the electrical, you name it. It needed to be replaced. It needed to go. And I think that's just a good analogy. If you don't tend to your garden, Mm -hmm. things will creep up and take hold. And so I think that's kind of like our soul. If we don't take care of our soul and take our soul, you know, to adoration or in prayer with Jesus that ugly can seep in. And, you know, we had been, we've had this lake house. My grandparents built it before I was born and it's been passed kind of through the family and it's currently belongs to my husband and I, (laughs) yay us. Um, but we've (laughs) and all the squirrels and everything and all of nature, but we've always had people regularly go and be there and stay Mm -hmm. there. And so this last year we had gone through another move. And so we had sent a lot of furniture there and people just couldn't go and stay. And because of that, just like with your soul and just like with our prayer life and our spiritual life, nobody was checking in. There was no mm-hmm. check-in. There was no, uh, you know, water running. There was no, and so, so rodents and kind of, you know, ugliness was able to make a home there, make a very comfortable home there, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I think, I feel like that's a, that's a good analogy for adoration. Mm-hmm. Like for me going to adoration is sort of tending to the garden of my soul and having that regular check-in with, with Jesus that I need, and, you know, mm-hmm. and I need maybe sometimes separate from my family, just going and being alone with the Lord. I love that. So don't be jealous of me and the, <laughs> and the squirrels and raccoons. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so not, I feel so, I, I felt so bad for you. I really did. I mean, <laughs> but awful. I am so impressed by the beauty of that reflection on it. Like who has rats and mice and squirrels and raccoons eat up their house and think, Jesus, you're teaching me through this. <laughs> my, this is my soul without you, Lord. I know this is what you're, t- I hope this is what you're telling me. <laughs> I think that is beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that my last little bit, I'm going to tie it into adoration because it's a funny story. Um, when Matt and I were dating, we were probably, you know, 18, 19 years old. Um, as I mentioned, my dad or my parents would have a middle of the night, holy hour. And this was one of those nights that Matt stayed, you know, super duper late at our house. We were sitting on the couch. We were kind of cozy on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to get too spicy for the podcast, but we were cozy on the couch. And uh, my dad walks in the den and notices that it's very late. It's one or two o'clock in the morning. And this young man is uh, courting his daughter at this time of night. (laughs) I'm sitting on the couch. And and we really, we we were sitting, but we were being cozy. You know, I'm sure as a father, as as the parent of a teenage teenager and teenagers, if I walked into that situation, you know, I'd be like, Hey kids, what's going on here? But my, <laughs> I sit in the middle. <laughs> I know. But my dad was so quick. He said, Hey there, son, why don't you come join me with Jesus for an hour? 
And That's Matt popped amazing. up. Let me tell you, now my husband was not Catholic at the time. I mean, he was raised Southern Baptist. He had never set, I don't even know if he had been to mass at that point. He had never set a foot in an adoration chapel, probably did not know what he was getting up to go do, <laughs> but he popped right up and jumped in the car and, you know, went to adoration in the middle of the night with my dad. And I've asked him about that. I've been like, so what was that like? He was like, it was a little confusing. <laughs> it was quiet. Uh, it was quiet. He said that, that it was a very quiet and peaceful. Um, but I think that that's a point also that I just want to make, um, that adoration is one of those times in uh, the Catholic church that aren't just for Catholics, because we do have, um, communion that is uh, reserved for Catholics in good standing with the church who have prepared themselves for communion. Right. And so if you go to mass with a Catholic and you're not Catholic, it can be a little weird and confusing that you don't get to go up and receive the Eucharist, you know, uh, especially for churches who have open communion in their churches. Like, you know, you could go to church, you could go to communion in their minds. You could go to communion at my church. Why can't I go to communion at your church? So it becomes kind of one of those awkward moments. Adoration is not an awkward moment. It is a time where you can go and sit in the presence of our Lord. Um, and, and it's even one of those moments where, where a non-Catholic would sit there and think, so what do Catholics think about what they're doing here? You know, and it, it's that moment of, of peace because it is quiet and it is beautiful and intimate. Um, but it also is just that opportunity for Jesus to touch you in a, in a different way and, and put your mind in a different place, maybe than, than it hadn't been before, whether you're Catholic or non-Catholic. But I just say, regardless of your faith tradition, you are welcome in an adoration chapel. Absolutely. And, um, Props to Mr. Mater. <laughs> Parenting tip 101. That's that's yeah. hilarious. I love I've it. I've been saving that one. I kind of like. I don't want it. To, I don't want the opportunity, but I do want the opportunity. To say, like, hey there, why don't you come see Jesus with me? <laughs> it's 2 a.m. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks. Well, awesome. That's that was a fun day, and see you next week. Yeah, we've got to go to adoration this week. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.